Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, or in this case, Bat-Ass Beyond. We're talking about Batman Beyond. These introductions get longer every time. I don't even know what I'm going to say <laughs> when we switch to a different show. Uh, my name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? Good, man. Um, happy to report that my Zorro Kickstarter has crossed a quarter million dollars. Hey we have uh, less than a week to go. Um, we got a few ideas on how to spike it at the end, like tiers for retailers, shops, discounts, Skype tiers, and a few more advertising things we might try. I'm hoping that we can get over 400. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited with uh, how well it's going. And uh, yeah, not much to complain about, really. And this, the name of this book, of course, is The Erotic Awakening of Zorro. Yeah, Zorro, <laughs> pants or no pants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Clay is helping me edit, uh, helping me with plot and stuff as always. So that's appreciated. Um, keeping me on track, which uh, I'm halfway through the art and stuff, and uh, getting your notes on issue three. And I was happy to see that there wasn't too much, uh, too many crazy changes that you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I add I I add in one every now and then just to keep you on your toes, make sure you're paying attention. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> there was fun, one typo I had where. Diego pulls out a gun and shoots Diego. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, wow, it's a surprise ending. Yeah, it's a bold move. <laughs> See if it pays off for him. Uh, that's great, though. That's great to hear that it's it's uh, going very well. And uh, there should be, yeah, a couple days left by the time this posts. So if you're listening to it the day it releases, you get a couple days left. You can get in there and uh, get all sorts of stuff from this and uh, Kickstarter. your uh, Jen Joker issue six is... Uh, Either out now or yep. out soon. It is. It's been out for a few, a couple weeks now. Um, yeah, okay. Generation Joker is all done. All six issues are out, and uh, I don't know when. What's the turnaround usually for trades? Do you know? Hmm. I'm gonna go like three six, to six months. Three to six yeah. months. That's what I figured. Yeah. So if you don't get a chance to get it now, it'll be out in a collected edition uh, soon enough. I hope. I assume. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I'm not sure. My title, Batman White Knight, is already a little mouthy. Mm-hmm. Batman Curse of the White Knight, Batman Beyond, and then Batman White Knight presents Generation Jo... Like, they're getting really long. Yes, much like <laughs> this show. They get longer every time. <laughs> exactly. Like, if I had known better, if I knew this would be a hit, I would have thought of something more clever than White Knight. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, it's, it's tough to abbreviate sometimes at least with red hood it was easy to say yeah. like white knight red hood all right get that that gets it across yeah but, um yeah. yeah it's it's tough when you're when you're filling out the uh, uh personal information forms for these books and it's the yeah. entire thing but you ever notice too that uh if you have a, a lot of youtube channels you can tell by the way that they marketed and branded themselves at the beginning they did not expect to get big Mm-hmm. So when their when their screen name is like Jelly Bean Shit Three Thousand, <laughs> it's like all right, you were just an amateur who now stumbled into success, and it's too late to change. Is that a, the same thing with like screen names and stuff? You can tell these people yeah. were just like whatever. I'm not going to get famous, so whatever. Is Jelly Shit Three Thousand. Is that a backhanded shot at the Penske file, which is our Star Trek podcast? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know that's a good example. That's not the worst one, actually. It's not. It's not. But we we have talked about it. Wes and I have talked about it. Where it's like, yeah, I guess if we had thought that this was just going to be a star trek thing maybe we would have picked a different name but not a seinfeld based name no it was uh it started because when wes 
started the I believe it started as a YouTube channel and it was mm-hmm. sort of a catch-all for things that Wes was into like he was doing board game playthroughs and reviews and stuff like that so it was like the Penske file yeah. which is whatever he w- wants it to be at the time right and so uh, once but once it became pretty exclusively Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. it was too late to change the name so the Penske podcast yeah. it will be forever it's funny yeah it's uh, I, I kind of love it actually I mean, it's. I guess it's. How many? How many like semi-clever Star Trek puns can you have for mm. a title? Like, I mean, you're never going to hit the sure. heights of like the Bat Ass Podcast. But <laughs> I mean, we knew what we were before. We knew we were going to be big. That's oh the yes, difference. of we course. Branded, yeah. branded ourselves accordingly. <laughs> it's there's a a couple. Of, one of the guys from Impractical Jokers, and one of the guys from Comic Book Men, or two of them, do a big podcast called Tell Em Steve Dave. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, my wife listens to them, and uh, I know those guys have got money at this point. They've got branding. They have assistance. And the fact that they haven't fixed the name, because they didn't start the podcast. It was run by two guys named Steve and Dave who aren't even on. Like, right. It's such a – but there's T-shirts now and lunchboxes and all this shit. It's too late to change. Well, that's, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one because that that's kind of a recognized – like that comes from Kevin Smith movies. Right. That phrasing, oh, okay. and so, but if no, if ne- if neither Steve nor Dave are on the <laughs> podcast anymore, <laughs> I guess it's just kind of funny at that point. But yeah, they actually did a poll with their viewers saying something like, "We we know our name makes no sense. Do you want us to change our name?" And it was like mostly people were like, "No, keep it. It's awesome." Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's like changing a band name, where it's like <laughs> even if you've spent a couple years as a certain band name. No matter mm-hmm. what you change it to, people are gonna go. Eh. Yeah. Even if like the the previous band name was was something ridiculous and terrible, it, it's never yeah. gonna it's never gonna land the way you want it to. Yeah. No, I mean after a while, if, if your product is good, it doesn't matter what yeah. it's called. Like I could call it Batman Jelly Bean, and it would be weird at first, but eventually. Ooh, is that an official I mean, announcement? No, yeah, <laughs> Batman Jelly Bean, <laughs> only the black ones. Um. Yeah, so it, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but, of course, we are here to talk about Batman Beyond. In this case, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which is the uh, direct-to-video Batman Beyond movie that originally, um, I think it was supposed to go into theaters, but uh, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Or, no, I'm getting it, ba- I'm getting it backwards because there was a second direct-to-video film based on Batman Beyond that was planned if this one did well, but it did not. And the yeah. second film was canceled as a result. However, most of the major plot points of the proposed second film were used five years later to, to develop the Justice League Unlimited episode epilogue. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wonder if we picked the wrong time to do this. I don't know. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. So, you know, I think the best, if you want to, if you're going to show, show Batman Beyond to a normie, mm-hmm. you tell them you watch the first two-parter. You watch this movie, and then you watch Epilogue. That's kind of all you need to know. And there's yeah. a lot of bullshit in the middle. I, I think... I, I don't want to... Even though we've kind of said this on multiple occasions uh, through the last yeah. two seasons of this show, um, this is the best thing yes. that Batman Beyond produced. Yes, and it's, by far. I feel like that's such faint praise because... Mm-hmm. Mo- like this, the yeah. stuff that makes it memorable is all 
Batman the Animated Series stuff. Yeah. It's like being the smartest kid on the short bus. Like, how much can you really brag? Sure. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> one of us say that. Uh, but before... I, I have better praise for it. I think this is as good as Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think Which, so. so. And some people would say uh, Mask was the best Batman movie, period, for a while. Mm-hmm. Some people will go hard to defend that movie. And uh, I would defend it as well. But I rewatching this today, how well it moved, how well it was edited, the great animation, it did, wasted no time. I prefer Mask, but I can say academically, I think this is probably equal in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Uh, before we get too deep into it, I just want to say it's directed by Kurt Gaeta, screenplay by Paul Dini, story by Paul Dini, Glenn Murkami, and Bruce Tim. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because well, I guess they're do you want to go over the plot really quickly for people that don't remember? Yeah, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker is the Batman Beyond movie where the Joker returns, and uh, that's okay. pretty much it. No, it's uh, let's we, see we catch the, up with Tim. Um, see what the we IMD never really learned about. Are. Well, we never learned about what happened to the Joker, so they kept Joker off the table, just like you and I kept Catwoman off the table mm-hmm. in White Knight. They decided to finally use it for this movie, and they also brought back the idea of Tim Drake, whatever happened to Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had 20 minutes in the middle where they even did this great flashback to the, the time Tim was kidnapped by the Joker and almost killed, but Tim killed the Joker. But the Joker found a way to live by putting his, um, his brain into a microchip that would be inside of Tim Drake mm-hmm. and physically transform Drake back and forth into the Joker. Um, there's definitely a lot that I took from this for White Knight, as far as Jack, as far as microchips and stuff. Sure. I mean, definitely leaning into it for Beyond. Um, yeah, and then you get a sort of a postmortem on how, you know, the, the sort of the final days of, of. I don't know if that's true. Well, what, 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 what do you think the plot was? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, someone purporting to be the Joker shows up. It, it seems to be the actual Joker. Um, mm-hmm. And then you find out what happened to Batman and Tim and Barbara and how yeah. basically the animated series ends with the death of the Joker mm-hmm. after he, after the Joker turns Tim Drake into a Joker Jr. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you find out later that this new Joker is actually Tim Drake with a Joker microchip strapped to the back of his head. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, and it, I love that Mark Hamill played it a bit differently. This is not as giggly and right. high-pitched yeah. as the normal. It's a little darker. He's leaning more into his Mr. Pym personality <laughs> yes. from Fall of the House of Usher. A little bit, yeah. He's got. It's not bit, quite yeah. as gravelly as that, but yeah. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you notice um, they redesigned the Joker for the flashbacks? Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, they redesigned his face a bit. Because uh, because of the backlash to the new adventures version of the Joker, so it's kind of like oh, a half and half. It's interesting, you know. I, I think it's a good. I think it looks great. Honestly. I do too. Yeah. Um, and Batgirl looks great. I never liked the blue cape because I feel like the palette of the Bat family was generally warm. Even Bruce's gray was like a warm gray. The mm-hmm. belt was yellow. Uh, Robin, once they got rid of the green, he was all warm. So when you have Batgirl with him in season four with the blue, it just kind of jumped out. But in this flashback, it's gray, and I think it looks the best. Yeah, I think the flashback stuff all looks really good. I, the animation in this movie is top to bottom really, really great. 
incredible. The the movement of the Batmobile whipping around, mm-hmm. how like the explosion time the uh, uh, frame the framing is just like it goes from tiny explosion to huge. It's just very anime, but yeah. so well timed and edited. And even the way this like laser is cutting through Gotham City and just like ripping through buildings and parking lots, destroying high rise bridges. It's it's crazy how nicely how nice this looks. Yeah, even from the the first sequence in the movie, it starts off with a chase scene with yeah. uh, Terry chasing Henry down the, the yes Henry <laughs> Rollins and uh, Christopher Walken impersonator Michael yeah. Rosenbaum. Uh, but it's like that whole chase scene is so great looking and. Mm-hmm. I, I, obviously, this is not the kind of thing you can do every episode, but I, mm-hmm. I, if the quality of the animation is high, I don't mind the mindless chase stuff as much because mm-hmm. I would say, I don't know if I would call this a, a criticism of it, but this movie still retains the feel of Batman Beyond where it's like here's a chunk of story but then we're going to give you a shitload of chases and blows up explosions yeah. and stuff but it works think, a lot better here than it does in the show yeah I think there's enough uh, meat on the bone there's yeah. enough protein in this plot to to keep the stakes high and then you can have your silly chase scene which looks amazing it's yeah. justified you know yeah. I mean Joker drawing a happy face onto a map of Gotham and then using a laser from space to. I mean it's, that's, it's perfect Joker gag it's the stakes are high plot wise and it looks great for animation so it yeah. checks all the boxes Tim, they, I wish they found more ways to do that for the actual show Tim Drake really needs to thank Barbara Gordon for keeping him out of this at the end because uh, I'm pretty sure he's now a mass murderer Based on where that laser, yeah. the way that laser cut through town. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, he probably killed like there. eight thousand people. <laughs> yeah, there's one shot where you see the laser. It's wide and it's just shooting like a, a shot, like a sniper rifle, blowing up buildings. And then it starts to focus, so like the circle part of the laser gets smaller, mm-hmm. and it just turns into like a laser beam that's just slicing through everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, they show this nice establishing shot of a parking lot, and then pretty soon the laser comes around the corner, and pretty soon all the cars are flying, and it's just so well... The yeah. storytelling, the action sequences is so good. Yeah, it's, um, it's very well conceived as far as the, the way the action plays yeah. out and stuff. There was also a... Uh, in the flashback, where Joker reveals that he knows Batman as Bruce Wayne, and there's a slow 360 camera pan on... Batman in this darkened amphitheater. It looks a lot like um, Star Trek Next Gen when Riker decides to shoot at Borg Picard. Oh, sure. There's like a, yeah, you know yeah. the shot. Oh, it's the greatest um, single shot in all of all seven seasons of The Next Generation. <laughs> you know, one thing that I don't know if we talked about a lot was the lack of uh, Paul Dini in this entire series. Mm-hmm. I sort of forgot that he didn't wasn't really involved in any of the episodes yeah and uh, i don't know why he wasn't included uh, maybe uh, contract stuff or he was working on justice league i'm sure there's good reasons why he wasn't around but getting him back on this episode i think he wrote the opening episode for beyond the white knight and he wrote this and I'm, i hope he wrote epilogue because if those are the three best episodes and it was him and tim writing it then welcome back boys like where the <laughs> hell have you been <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking that too, but I I feel like it's yes, but I I hate 
saying that so much because it I feel like it really diminishes all the work that everybody else on the shows have done. But yeah. it, it is tough to argue that the episodes that he is a part of are not the best yeah. episode. Like they're all yeah. pretty much slam dogs for the most part. I mean it, it sucks that Sammy Hagar isn't uh, is way better than um <laughs> <laughs> the other guy. Oh boy, you're you're, wait, gonna, no, you're gonna start a fight with that one, my friend. Wait, no, no, no. I had it wrong. I had it wrong. It sucks that Sammy <laughs> you, Hagar sucks did you have compared it wrong? to Dave Lee Roth. <laughs> no. I'm with Brendan Fraser. Backtracking. That's what we call backtracking, kids. Yeah. What do you have to say about negative things about Taylor Swift? Let's get everybody after you. Oh boy, yeah. Um Yeah, let's just talk about Israel while we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, I really liked that they had a red herring with this younger guy who looked like the Joker, kind of, mm-hmm. who was uh, fighting with Bruce over yeah. power of Wayne Tech. It was I, a nice way to be like, oh, I bet that's... When you're 12 years old, that is like Shakespeare. Oh, know? of course. Well, you know, the thing that's... The one thing that I do think is a bit of a... I don't know if this is bad or not, because mm-hmm. that guy is dropped in there very briefly like you you get like a couple short scenes with him where Mm -hmm. i guess he's a red herring but he's not really established hard enough to be a red herring because you really only kind of get that one scene where you find Mm -hmm. out that he hired the joker gang to or let them steal or whatever but i i realized he doesn't have an his his character is not in the credits and I think it's because oh. I think that's Mark Hamill doing his voice. Yeah, it definitely is. That's why I think it's, you know, even more why I think it's a red herring. Right, yeah. And I, I was surprised that he wasn't even listed. Like, it doesn't even list Mark Hamill as doing his voice on in the credits yeah. of the show or, or on IMDb or anything. But That's weird. That's just this, an oversight, I bet. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. he's – I think he's – it's enough, a kid of, show, a, I think enough it's, of a setup, I think, yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess I would say that's I've seen that's kind of the biggest pushback on this is that it kind of short shrifts the Batman Beyond universe mm-hmm. where it's so much of the focus is the history of the animated series stuff that mm-hmm. Terry is sort of not given uh, as much screen time or, or importance mm-hmm. in his own movie. Would you, would you agree with that or would you push back against that? Do I think Terry got a little bit short shifted? Yeah, do you think that, do you think it's a little now? unfair or do you think that they spend more of their calories on the uh, classic Batman stuff which kind of makes the Batman Beyond stuff not as important? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, that flashback sequence is so good yeah. that it's I, the rest of the movie could have sucked and I'd still love it because <laughs> True. Yeah. that middle section is so fucking great. Um, but yeah, I guess you, your your argument is fair. I mean, Terry is so outshadowed by Bruce in this whole series. It's hard to not talk about Bruce Wayne because everyone wants to know about Bruce, but you're forcing them to, to pay attention to Terry. And I don't know if it's just how he's written yeah. or if it's the voice actor just doesn't have the chops that... Uh, Kevin Conroy did, but Terry's just not as dynamic. But Terry's also eighteen; he's not supposed to be as dynamic as a seven-year-old vigilante, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say, I would say yeah, that you, you get. I would agree that it it kind of 
places a Batman the Animated Series episode inside of Batman yeah. Beyond. But I do think the thing you're kind of getting that they're not explicitly calling out, but is in there uh, anyway, is Terry getting to see more of what being Batman's sidekick or whatever you want to call it um, mm-hmm. what that does to you and what that does to uh, um, d- what it does to you mentally what it does to you as a uh, uh, as just a, as a person um, mm-hmm. he doesn't really reckon with that too much in this but I, I think it is more of a uh, he gets more of that stuff here than he does in the show. Like every now and then he interacts with Barbara and Barbara's like, yeah, well, you know, it was never easy doing this or everybody hates Bruce for a reason. But, but here he kind of actually gets to, to see the Mm -hmm. stuff that nobody talks about. And I think, I think you can kind of take away that he's, he's gaining new knowledge about what being Batman means and what this means to, um, yeah. I I would say maybe there's if they wanted to have room for him to make some sort of mm-hmm. larger decision based on everything that he's gone through at the end of the movie or whatever. But I don't know. I feel really I don't think you really need it that much. Yeah, they I think they go out of their way to hint at the original Bat Family's trauma. Yeah, but you don't the reader the viewer doesn't need to be in the the room in the hospital as Bruce closes the door and they have their heart to heart right it's sort of like the viewer is treated like terry where he's an outsider looking in which i think works but i also kind of wouldn't mind seeing him talk to tim drake for some kind of heart to heart yeah because they share a lot of the same you know young scooped up by bruce do they regret it don't they you know what kind of lasting repercussions whatever that kind of thing honestly um that makes me think or realize if they do another TAS movie, I would love to see Terry work with Nightwing and oh, with sure. those two, and then get into well, what happened with Nightwing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Where this, you know, but you know, with Kevin gone and people moving on, Arlene Sorkin, yeah, maybe that's in the past. Yeah, yeah. I uh, it, they actually even drop earlier in the movie um, something that they don't really follow up on too much. Uh, mm-hmm. emotionally which is when Bruce says when he when he asks for the bat suit back and then he says mm-hmm. you don't need to do this anymore you got the guy who killed your family there's or killed your father there's no yep. reason for you to keep doing this and I thought that was a really interesting thing to drop in because it's like yeah why is he still doing this like what I yeah. feel like there's that's sort of what Terry's arc through the movie probably should be but they don't really get into that at all even if it's just like a little a thing they touch in on here and there and kind of wrap up at the end but uh Mm -hmm. they that's a pretty good character beat for him that they they don't really uh jump on yeah there isn't a lot of conflict in terry Mm. is maybe what we're circling around yeah i think that's it yeah he uh, yeah i mean he's excited this is so fun being Batman. What kid wouldn't want to do this? And, you know, Bruce is a surrogate dad, of course. Like, you know, I can see why any kid would love this and not want to give it up because it's so cool. But as you get older, and I think that's what Nightwing, what the Robins eventually learn, is what is the cost of doing all this shit? It's it's a lot of injuries, a lot of bruises, internal as well. I mean, 
And uh, yeah, we never really see Terry get there. Although I guess maybe he might in epilogue. Yeah, yeah. That would that would be Terry's conflict right there. Epilogue, by the way, was written by uh, story by Tim Bruce Tim and Dwayne McDuffie and teleplay by Dwayne McDuffie. Okay, so not Paul, but still, Dwayne McDuffie is yeah. a big comic writer. Oh so yeah, like she, Huge I think it's she. He. Yep. Yeah, he did the milestone stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, got him. Yeah. yeah, passed away way too young, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, what did you? Oh, I I do think it's. It's important to point out how creative the fight scenes had to be with Dee Dee. Because yeah. Batman's not allowed to hit girls. And I think that the creative solutions they found for him to like shove things, shove them into each other, go invisible, right. make it look like yeah. one's shoving the other and ba- sort of bashing their heads together, kind of gentle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought all the fight scenes were really smart in this. Uh, the stuff with Dee Dee was really great I thought the fight with the Joker at the end was was awesome because like they're basically locked arms like in Michael Jackson video basically punching each other at close range doing like those are particular moves that's not just the slugfest that you see in a cartoon that was planned really well right and then on top of that it doesn't just stay a slugfest because the Batman punching the Joker is not very interesting um they Terry actually uses his mind to outthink the Joker to a certain extent because the Joker's mm-hmm. not used to being heckled and being shit talked right. by Batman. <laughs> so right. when he starts shit talking him at the end, I was like, Oh, that's so good. That's such a great way okay. to distinguish Terry and Bruce. So that's that's the one problem I have with this movie is I don't I think I like the the words written on the page. Mm-hmm. I get that Terry needs to have his own solution and be himself in a way Bruce couldn't be. But I think that the actor's delivery doesn't match. It doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. So he literally is like, "Where is the A material? Where is the blah blah blah?" Like his voice goes into a higher pitch, like a geek. And I kind of wish that he had played it, like dialed it down to. Okay, so Bruce doesn't make jokes, but his stoicism is funny. Terry does make jokes, but it's a lot of dark humor, and it's never dialed up to 11. Yeah. Like, I think Terry's at like a three or a four. So I feel like the way I would have done the ending would be he's they're beating the shit out of each other, but he's making the same lines, but he's doing it in a darker way. Like, where's the A material? Punch. Where's this? Punch. If you think you're going to get the old man to laugh with buzzers and blah, 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 mm-hmm. punch. I think that's the delivery I want. It's just weird to hear Batman go like this and start talking about A material. <laughs> I'm glad that they don't do it while he's fighting him because I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. just Batman fighting physically fighting the Joker. I I, I never believe because mm-hmm. unless it's Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson because they're about the same height. Uh, but mm-hmm. like I, I I don't know. It's just I am always more interested if they can find a more creative way than just punching each other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that I, I have never bought Will Friedle's Batman voice though. I, I don't think it's very convincing. And I yeah. think once you, once you isolate that with him just mm-hmm. saying lines and not showing Batman while it's, while he's saying them, it kind of uh, accents that it's, he doesn't quite have the the zip that that some other I, people have. I agree. Yeah, and I, I'm with you in that. 
I don't need to see a punch fest. Like there, there's got to be another way to do the scene where Will Friedle doesn't start talking like this because it just doesn't feel right. Like I, again, I, the script probably read fine, but his I'm sure he did a bunch of takes. And unfortunately, this is the one they went with. Well, but I don't know. I just feel like the delivery. It's was... so interesting that you you call it out because I I kind of think I I ended up going the other way with it because I don't mm-hmm. like his Batman growl, and so what right. he kind of like drops it when he's doing those mm-hmm. lines and just kind of says them like Terry, and I would yeah. I kind of preferred that because I, I I just don't buy it when he's like trying to be tough. It just never lands the way I think he wants it to land. You know? Yeah. My version would have a different actor do this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I'm, I'm close to agreeing with you on what we're saying here. Yeah. I, I think we're not too far apart. But I, and I understand you love interesting solutions to problems like this. And even if someone takes a big swing and misses, I know you give it more points than I do. But for me, I just feel like the high-pitched thing just always fell wrong in this scene. But I'm not exactly sure what I would do to fix it because I get yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I I think overall the whole sequence is really good. Um, from the Joker using the buzzer, which then drops into the thing, which then sets the laser off, which then yeah. Terry uses the buzzer to short circuit the chip. I think that's really good. I think that it's it is kind of strange to have Batman and the Joker fighting each other, and that be the um the the high stakes of the scene when you've got a giant space layer laser destroying the city while it's happening mm-hmm. um yeah. but i guess that just shows you how powerful the idea of batman and the joker is because like i think there's another version of this where terry goes out of his way to try to stop the laser a little bit more you know right. <laughs> cuz it is <laughs> tearing the ass right out of Gotham City as as they're punching each other, and yeah, the, the solution will go into space. What's that? Oh, I don't know. I think the it should. I mean, I would try it at that point. Forget about the Joker. Sure. Just stop the laser. But yeah, like it's the solution for destroying the laser is wait till the laser gets to the building and then it will destroy itself. But in order to do that, it has to yeah. tear a giant hole through through Gotham City. And I know right. it's you have to get rid of your uh, grip on reality to a certain extent with this stuff where it's like, well, yeah, giant laser. Yeah, of course that's... We don't want mm-hmm. Batman to get killed and the laser's getting closer and closer to Batman, so there we go. Uh-huh. Um, but you know. It's conceivable no one died. We didn't see any dead bodies. Sure. Just, yeah. just like in Superman. Yes, with the, with the amount of uh, <laughs> structural city damage that happened, <laughs> I'm sure no one got, caught a stray brick in the head or anything. <laughs> yeah. What did you think oh. of the, uh, the the slow jam guitar intro music? Oh, <laughs> I've said all I have to say about the music in this show. <laughs> People don't need to hear it again. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I liked I liked that they were like we we know that you want a hot electric guitar, but we're going to give you like the slow version because this is a movie, and then we're going to kick the music in, of the future. Yeah, and then we're going to kick in the theme at the end. There, it's going to be great. Yeah. No, I, I still want a uh, synthwave John Carpenter style uh, soundtrack for this. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, nice, I, uh, I'm honestly surprised with all of the uh, cartoon movies they've done in the past. When did this come out? Two thousand. 
2000, yeah. In the past 23 years, the number of DC Comics movies they've done, they've never done another Batman Beyond movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So this is the last... Well, Epilogue would be the last time we yeah. saw Terry, right? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. So one thing I noticed, too, is this whole movie is the unedited version. Right, yes. Yep. Um, the difference is, I think it's just two scenes. One where Joker is talking to the other Jokers, and he uses the gun to shoot um, Henry Rollins. Yep. Uh, in the edited version, he just gasses him because getting stuck with something, it's, it's just a little bit too bloody for a kid's show. And the second time was uh, in the flashback when Robin shoots him. In the uh, DVD version I have, Robin throws the gun and shoves Joker, and Joker stumbles back into an electricity room right. and accidentally flips a switch and uh, electrocutes himself, which I think is actually more violent. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and with this one, I was like, oh, he's just going to shoot him? Okay, I guess the scene's over then. Yeah. Like, I'm that's, just so used to the other one. <laughs> that's usually how that stuff goes, is the change they make ends up being more disturbing than the actual original one. But yeah, it Have was... Seen, uh, it's like that video game uh, for playstation that got everyone real that mortal Kombat pissed off mm. joe lieberman it was called like night stalker it was like a babysitter party with vampires oh yeah there's a um, really great youtube video that breaks down like the it, no is it that that was it that netflix documentary that does like a deep dive onto that game yeah that was that was really uh, good all right I forget what the documentary is called um uh but that's the one where it's, yeah, it's people in a house and these vampires, but the vampires just look like people in trash bags. Yeah. Yeah. There was supposed to be uh, vampires, and they were like, well, that's too gross because we can't have blood. Yeah. So they kept trying to nerf it up by, uh, at, you know, making it, and then it just got weirder and weirder. Suddenly it was way, way worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, what I always say about Mortal Kombat is that they made such a big stink over Mortal Kombat when it came out on NES for mm -hmm. really no reason. <laughs> But Mortal Kombat yeah. now is the game all of our parents were afraid Mortal Kombat was 30 years ago. Yep, they were right. It even got worse, honestly. It's yeah. way worse than they imagined. Yeah. I, even, I, have, I have a cousin who was big into Mortal Kombat when it came out in 30 years ago. And I, remember, yeah. I was talking to him one Christmas, and he, even he was like, have you seen this new Mortal Kombat? It is insane. It's like bones breaking and limbs exploding it's it's a bit too much and i was like yeah you know it's I, you're clearly a dad now okay hold on joe lieberman uh night trap night trap yes yeah if you anyone's listening the story of night trap i think they actually tried to use kickstarter to make a night trap sequel oh really to to do it the right way <laughs> and there's it's got such a cult following at this point yeah but then i think there were some shenanigans with the kickstarter and I don't know if they follow through or, I don't know, something happened. I think you can but probably go on YouTube and find all the, the cut scenes from that, and it's it's worth yeah. watching because they're yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> very yeah. rapey, very uh, prob problematic is an understatement. But yeah, it was actually changed um, largely in part to Columbine, actually. They thought it was oh. too soon after that. It was a kid's show, or kids are using guns yeah. and stuff, and so they changed that up. Uh and it's. Uh, I so, was going to say, what do you, what do you feel? How do you feel about how dark this gets? Because it gets pretty dark. I, I love it. Yeah. I think it's needed. I, I mean, I've been such a, a nutritious, 
a, a nutrient deficit watching this series. Yeah. It's so nice to actually have like, yes, finally, I'm excited about this character. And this is all I wanted in Batman Beyond. It's all here. You know, you even get some of the little brother stuff and, you know, Bruce's got, got a little bit of everything in it. Like, you really don't need to watch a lot of the other episodes because this, this has it, you know? Yeah. Well, apparently... Um, uh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you should make your point first, because well, I have a story about where I first saw this. Oh, okay. I was going to say, apparently, one of the, and this, I believe, comes from IMDb, so take this with a grain of salt, unless there are other places to cross-reference this. <clears throat> one of the early ideas for a Batman Beyond film involved the now elderly Selina Kyle slash Catwoman as the main villain. Her obsession with Batman having deepened, Kyle would set about creating half-clones <clears throat> using Bruce Wayne's DNA, one of which Uh-oh. would be revealed to be Terry. Kyle would also raise a, quote, son of her own in this fashion, who she would instruct to kill criminals and who would battle Terry. It was also implied that Kyle still had an attraction for her, quote, son. Bruce Tim and Glenn Murakami, oh. however, decided this concept was too dark and had too many sexual overtones, so the Catwoman idea was dropped, but the idea of creating a duplicate using imprinted DNA on a child was kept for the Joker's plan. The idea of Terry being revealed as Bruce's half-cloned son was later used in epilogue. Yeah, what's that trope when the mom is like too enamored with her son? Usually the husband left her by this point. Uh, yeah, might, there might not be even a name for it, but I was watching some Law and Order recently. Back and to the Future effect? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so when this came out, I was a sophomore in college in Georgia at Savannah College of Art. Mm-hmm. And there was some kind of comic book club because we had a major, which was sequential art, which was my major. And they had this um, this room booked, and someone had downloaded uh, a legal copy of this movie, which took no them one had four ever seen. days to do it, but they got it. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to the room, and um, it was the unedited version. And uh, but to watch it, we needed to get one of those TVs that were like were on one of those roller carts nice. because it was still the year two thousand or mm-hmm. two thousand one, and it was in this closet that was locked. So we have about 30 people there waiting to watch this movie, and no one can get in this door. So I take out a credit card, and I start to go at the door to see if I can unlock it. And everyone was like, oh, you've seen too many movies. Like, oh, yeah, Sean, the the badass guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was already an outcast because I was the only guy in the department that went to the gym. I wore, like, a bandana, but I still wore socks with sandals, so, you know, because New England. Sounds like Uh, a mess. But... (laughs) I'll be damned if I didn't get that fucking thing open yeah. and everyone shut their stupid faces because nice. I saved the day. <laughs> I also did that in college exactly once and I could never do it again. You need a certain type of door, like a really cheap, light Home Depot door to, yeah. to make it work. The thing I actually used, because the, I, I actually, it's, it is one of those things that everyone sees done so often that you just assume you know how to do it. It's like that uh, in The Simpsons. When they're, uh, um, I think it's the the lemon tree episode, where uh, <clears throat> Bart and Milhouse are spying on someone, and he's looking at them through binoculars, and he goes, "I'm not sure what they're saying." And Milhouse says, "I, you said you knew how to read lips," and Bart says, "I assumed I could." It's it's very <laughs> similar to that, where it's like I've seen some people do this on TV a million times. All you do is slide a credit card into the door, and it unlocks. Yeah. Frankly, if that's all it takes might want to rethink these locking mechanisms. Um, but I, I did it once with a Blockbuster video card. Mm-hmm. 
You need a flimsy card. That's a credit why it works. Too. Yes, yeah. because I it was it's, flimsy well, enough to wiggle its way through the thing, but I could never do it again. Yeah. So I don't know what I did. You need to go in behind the lock. So that little thing that slips out, the the um, the angled part of it is facing away from you. So you need mm-hmm. to go deep and pull the card towards you. But there's been a lot of lock companies that have figured this out by now. <laughs> they've, yes. they've seen these movies too, so it's not as fun, not as easy to do as it used to be. <laughs> That's that's a much the result of yours is much cooler though because I only did it because we needed to get into a room in one of the studios to dispose of paint. That's yeah, it's pretty heroic. Uh, it's not as cool <laughs> as freeing a television so people can watch a bootlegged Batman video. That's true. I'd and much rather be known nays- for that. The amount of naysayers who thought I was full of shit who like left the room already. It's mm-hmm. like you left Woodstock before Jimi Hendrix got on stage. <laughs> Just Big like mistake, that. fuckers. <laughs> And guess what? I made it in comics, and they didn't. <laughs> so suck it. <laughs> I was destined to get to Batman one way or another. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were watching the the PG-13 version, the unrated version, uncut version? No. So we had the, the cool version because it had blood on the lip. That was the other edit. Uh, oh, and right. when the blood came up, there was a little disclaimer at the bottom, like, this has scene has been altered for final release. Uh, and every oh, time this little like parental warning came up, we all kind of had a chuckle. Interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I was I, too busy doing backflips and somersaults <laughs> in the back of the room because of how glorious I felt. You just tried to keep the thing going, but no one really cared about your clapping push-ups that you were doing in the back. <laughs> Not quite. I as kept impressive. trying to get them to call me like the Batman Bandit, but man, yeah, it didn't <laughs> stick. I mean, you try to make up your own nickname, it just doesn't work, does it? No. Very rarely <laughs> ever works. Uh. uh have you ever? Had I was going to say it worked exactly once, but the outcome wasn't that great because he ended up being the leader of Germany in the forties. But oh yeah, That's too fair. dark. It's enough time. It's okay. Yeah, it's not too soon. Um, um, what were you going to say? Did you ever have a nickname outside of uh, wrestling camp? Uh, outside of wrestling camp. <laughs> yeah. My my aunt had a great one of those like nicknames that distills itself down into something else. So mm-hmm. she, she used to, when I was a kid, she used to call me Clay Dog. And then eventually that turned into Dog Man. So my aunt's nickname for me was Dog Man, which I always thought was kind of fun. And you know the, the successful book series based on I do, that. yeah. I yeah. wish. Did you get any I, piece of that? No, I wish I had thought of that before. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I, uh, my last real job was uh, landscaping. And we had like uh, 20 guys on the crew. We operated out of Bill Ricca in southern New Hampshire. Um, and uh, there were two Sean's on the job. And the other Sean was like jacked, had all these tattoos. So he became Sean and I became Muffin. <laughs> and it wasn't that I was a, a pussy. It's just that and I, and I thought about fighting the nickname, but I've seen people try to fight their nickname and it just never works out. Yeah. You just have to accept yeah. that. You just take it on the chest. If it's a good nickname, great. But like, the more you fight it, the worse it gets. And there was another guy in the crew who kept trying to fight it. His name was Chad, of course. Um, he liked Dave Matthews' band. And it was all over before it even started for that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he tried to fight his nickname. And eventually, we would like steal his lunch, lock him out of his car, what throw his keys the in the woods. <laughs> uh, I forget. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But I remember mine was Muffin, and I knew... Don't fight it. Just accept it. It means they like you, and they're testing you. How did you and get was, Muffin? Because my last name was Murphy. So then it was Murphy McMuffin, and then it was McMuffin, and then it was McMuff, and then pretty soon it was Muff. Okay. But, yeah. Sure. 
I was like, thanks, guys. Glad to be included. That's, that's the best thing you can do with a nickname, you know? <laughs> and that's when I became a man. Yeah. Nicknames, man. And the next year, I broke into a closet with a credit card. <laughs> and you said, turned around and said, everybody cheer for Muffin. <laughs> I mean, I do have a Murphy verse now, that's so true. in a way, I did, yeah. Well, you know, it's really unfortunate that it's going to be referred to as the Muffin verse from here on out. The, the Muff verse. <laughs> <laughs> when uh so for my zorro campaign i'm doing this um one of the biggest tiers is you pay a lot of money to get onto a cover that's a nod to the x-men cover day of future past mm-hmm. and you've got wolverine and um uh gene gray on the bottom of it and behind it is all these wanted posters of dead i think it's uh, shadow cat not that it matters but shadow cat sorry um so I'm going to do one with the Zorro, and the backers who pay into this tier can get their name on a little like bandit wanted poster in the cover. And that cover will be one of 20 produced, so it'll be like really low run, very valuable. Um, so part of the tier is I'll draw a likeness of, of you, and you get to pick your bandit name. But I needed an example to show people, so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just draw myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I don't know, what's my bandit name? So I came up with Inky McGordo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is the best I could do on the spot. It's not great. But already on Instagram. <laughs> well, now I, can, now I can see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, McGordo is like, Gordo is Spanish for fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, so people are having fun with it on Instagram already. And I think that might have, I accidentally dubbed myself a new nickname. <laughs> I would prefer to go back to Muff just because, I don't know, at least it's edgy and sexual. <laughs> Now it's just people thinking you have a lot of weird body image issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you going to do, I saw you're going to, you're going to do um, portraits and then give the people the original art of the portrait. Yeah. So it's expensive. Yeah. It's five grand. Um, but you get an original piece of art. Like I'll draw, send me a picture of yourself looking like a badass. I'll draw it, ink it and hand letter whatever you want your bandit name to be. Um, someone wanted it to be of their dog, so they sent me a photo of their, their pup that, that passed away recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting spins people are giving me. Uh, I think I've only got three or four takers so far, mm. which is fine. I don't need all ten. Uh, that, but it also comes... Is that why you asked with, us what our names would be, so you can fill the empty holes with people you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what you guys are to me, just yeah. empty holes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think in the last uh, day of the Kickstarter, a few of those will go, yeah. which is great. Um, but uh, yeah, so with that tier, you also get one of everything of all the covers and all the books and that stuff. Plus, you get a uh, invite to uh, Dallas Fan Expo, where we'll have a private Zorro party, which will have like Zorro cocktails, oh, cool. free food. Oh, I didn't know um, about that. Yeah, it's it's like a VIP event, and uh, we figured you know Texas is central located, it's near Mexico, yeah. good Latino vibe, blah blah blah. Editors aren't but, um, invited to that party. Who's that? Editors? Yeah. Oh, dude, you can come. I mean, you were invited to Fargo, but you didn't go. I mean, I'll take you with me to see Omas, but I don't know. You come up with an excuse like your leg hurts. <laughs> Listen, I, I... <laughs> see your brain going. Where do I take this? <laughs> Yeah, Far- Fargo was a little too expensive for for a goof for me. <laughs> it's all right, man. I think it was. Uh, same, I think Adrian Paul felt the same way. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I came up. I'm sure there was lots of talk about me. Um, 
So yeah, that'll be in June, I think. Um, and there's actually a guy who does uh, his own custom action figures, and he did a whole line of White Knight toys. And he's into Alice, so I'm oh, gonna see cool. like oh that guy from Instagram. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, he's nice. there. So I'm gonna see how much it costs if I need to get insurance or ship it. I don't know, but uh, figure something out. Have yeah, a good time. Well, maybe I will. I'll see what's going on in Dallas. Maybe I'll go down for that show. I've never been to Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, I've been just to the airport, but uh, Corinne might be going to, um, yeah, maybe something you want to do. Yeah, I'll look into that. And you can uh, go to the party if you spend $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can be my plus one. You can be my oh, date. thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think about, of the Christopher Walken thing? Uh, I don't know, man. What do you, what do you think? It's, I, I love it, but it's so weird. <laughs> It's apparently Michael Rosenbaum, when he was on the show previously, in between takes, would would do this impression. Mm -hmm. And they loved it so much that they just wrote this character and specifically said, we want you to do this in the Christopher Walken impression. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah, I would have done the same thing if I was them. Yeah. It's a pretty good impression, too. Yeah. uh, Do you... We didn't get to a rating or what would you draw, um, mm-hmm. but one of the things I was going to say with drawing the Joker's gang, I really like his uh, pumpkin look. Yeah. I think that guy'd be cool to draw. It's. I wanted to talk to jo- uh, about the Joker gang a little bit and some of the designs uh, in yeah. general because the Joker gang here is weird because I feel like pumpkin guy or ghoul, I believe his name is, great design. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woof, the hyena guy, pretty good design. Yeah. Dee I feel like is half of a good design, and then oh, I like Dee Dee. I I think it's like I I don't know. I guess I'm expecting more from mm-hmm. uh, the lower half of the design, but like the, I like the Raggedy Ann kind of des- face mm-hmm. design, and then the other two guys are just sort of like, eh, well, that's fine, whatever. Guy wearing a mask, weird big guy. The Henry Rollins guy I like, yeah. but just because of Henry Rollins. But I think looking at, de- at his design right now with the red shirt, with the, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, overalls oh, on yeah. one shoulder, I think it looks good. Um, I, guess, I, guess what I'm say- I guess what I'm thinking is like, Ghoul feels more specifically designed than everybody else. Like he doesn't fit with the rest of that group. You know what I mean? He's too cool. Yeah, he's, he's, like, he's too thought out. Yeah. He doesn't look like yeah. one of the Jokers. He looks like he just showed up to hang out. That's that's a good point, actually. Because they should all have reminiscence of Joker, and he really looks like Scare, Scarecrow. Yeah, which is which. I mean, again, great great design. Yeah, okay. I, either you go all Halloween with them all, or you tone him down and you make him look more like a clown or something. Yeah. Um, the pink guy is my least favorite. He just looks gross. He looks like the ice cream man from Twisted Metal. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about uh, the Joker design, the, the Batman Beyond, that sleek black jumpsuit or sweatpants suit <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with the slick back his, hair? With his just leather onesie, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's fine. It does the job. I don't know what else I would have done. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think it works uh, for, for something that is, I guess it, you're, you're really kind of in an odd spot where it's like, all right, this is the Joker. Do we want to go full Joker with it or do we want to kind of dial it mm-hmm. back because it's not quite the Joker? Because like if he showed up wearing full purple suit 
Joker. Mm-hmm. I that probably would have felt weird. Yeah. And I think the the black suit feels kind of like sleek and 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 it's, uh, modern. Yeah. It's more. Yeah, it's more serious and yeah. dark. Like even if you took this design and added one flower on his lapel, it would just get goofy. Yeah. Um, or you added a bow tie or gave him green shoelaces. Like even, the more you add, the more you take away how severe and dark he looks. Yeah. So I guess this was the right way to go. And I like this slick back hair. Like it's no bullshit is what this costume says to me. Yeah, it reminds me a bit not in design itself, but uh, mm-hmm. reminiscent of the Joker in The Dark Knight Returns who's just got that white suit and he's got mm-hmm. the green hair it's like just white face, white suit green hair, red lips and he doesn't have mm-hmm. the constant big grin he's, yeah. it's, it's sort of like subdued for the, for the most part until he really goes crazy but it's, it's that sort of like yeah. very sleek one color with a couple accents yeah he was designed after David Bowie for that book oh that makes sense yeah yeah um, yeah, that's one thing that my editor told me when I was doing White Knight was they're like, well, Frank Miller used David Bowie, so who's your Joker? And I was like, Don Draper? Mm-hmm. And he was about to say, that's stupid, but then he thought about it and he's like, actually, okay, that's pretty brilliant. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. Because <laughs> uh, he was a Madman fan, so. Um, yeah, what about the black nail polish on Joker? I think that's a good kind of like goth kid move yeah. it's, a, it's a little I like it. it's a little asexual which sort of fits with the Joker mm-hmm. it breaks up his hands in a nice way yeah I, I think that works yeah I think I think you're right it, it makes him feel more serious and more yeah. uh, dangerous frankly yeah um, because and it I, doesn't have the the uh, goofy highlights you know it's funny with the Joker's team we have here there's a lot of characters and you run the risk of like Jesus what are they all going to talk about so one of the moves is you make one character mute mm-hmm. or you have you have Chewbacca in there somewhere mm-hmm. or you have Groot you have a character that's a presence there that doesn't actually talk so you, you can kind of the, the team doesn't feel as crowded so you have the uh, splicer dog yep. character which I think is brilliant yeah. DD is essentially one character anyway and once the uh big guy is killed at the beginning I mean you get a pretty slim crew here but I think it's just enough uh, to, to play with you know yeah I think it works pretty well yeah Woof is voiced by Frank Welker who is the go-to guy for animal voices mm. and has been for I don't know 50 60 years at this point he he's yeah. a, he's a voice that you would know immediately if you heard his other voices he was uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo he oh. was Ray in the Ghostbusters cartoon. I think I believe he's Megatron from the Transformers. Oh. Yeah. So he's he's one of the classic uh, voice actors, and uh, right. A lot of times they bring him in just to do animal noises, like uh, on the yeah. Simpsons, the yeah. the episodes that are focused on Santa's little helper, the dog. Mm-hmm. He does the voice, quote unquote, of the dog. He's got to be Warner Brothers exclusive. Like I'll bet they have a contract with him, and they're like. This guy is super cheap because we pay him a salary. Let's just fly him in and have him do the voices. No, I'll bet no, that's, he's that's not. why he is incredibly expensive. Really? Yes, he is. But, like on the commentaries for The Simpsons, they're like, "This is the most ex- money we've ever paid anybody to come in and do this show." Man, if I was Warner Brothers, I'd be trying to lock that guy down on a contract and then throw as much work as I. Anytime there's an animal voice, you have to just 
come in and do it. But you're getting paid well for this. Yeah, you know what I mean? he's, he's been around long enough that he can pick and choose his gigs and he can charge what he wants for it. <laughs> I, well, I wonder how much he's still working. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. He was also Slimer on the, on the Ghostbusters cartoon. So Wolf sounds oh, a little bit go. like Slimer in certain places. But I love the idea of... Uh, so Clarissa... Sorry. Uh, Clarissa explains it all. Mm-hmm. What's that actress's name? Melissa Flockhart? Uh, Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Joan Hart. Her and Henry Rollins in a room together recording. I would love to just, just totally different opposite personalities. <laughs> I would love to know if they hung out at all or what they thought of each other. <laughs> Especially year 2000 Henry where he wasn't quite as tame yeah. as he might be now. I I would be curious if either one was at all aware of the other one's career. Yeah. Unless... He probably walks in like, ugh, Hollywood blonde, whatever. It, unless blonde. maybe... Henry Rollins, big Clarissa head. I don't know. You're on a tour bus a lot. Maybe he's watching a lot of Clarissa Explains It All. They'd only get a couple channels back then, tour bus, TV. You never know. I mean, his spoken word is basically Henry Explains It All. Yeah, there you go. One of his major influences, which is true because you said it, so it's true here on this show. You heard it from Muff, everybody. Muff. Muff will never lie to you. Only facts from uh, us. It depends on what's underneath. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting cast. Um, uh, the Barbara Gordon you- is a different voice from the show. It's Angie Everhart, where I believe the show is um, Stalker Channing. I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah. know why they switched. Uh, she does have more like tired lesbian voice, <laughs> but you know, in a good in a good way. That's coming from both me and Clay, everybody. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Definitely half of that is true. Um, Muff speaks the truth. Sean only speaks in half truths. (laughs) And uh, Tim's like my Harvey Dent. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And Tim Tim Drake is voiced by Dean Stockwell, who is Al from Quantum Leap, which is fun. Um, Oh, cool. What do you think about the Tim Drake character? Um, good. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I wanted more from him, but there's so much going on in this movie, it yeah. might just clutter it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. I like him a lot. I like the idea that they uh, <clears throat> he's just a regular dude yeah. have, having yeah. a regular life, and that's a good yeah. cover for what they end up doing with him. And I like his design, too, because he's just a just a kind of a dumpy guy. Dumpy. But he's got... Yeah, he no, still has, stays in shape. Yeah, he still has the Robin, like, swoop mm-hmm. to his hair. Which, and which one them? furrowed eyebrow, which was cool. Yes, yeah. He had like one Joker eyebrow and one normal eyebrow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's uh, a good, like, good addition. And I like. So you wanted to, you wanted that dad bod to be on Jason Todd, yes, right? Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, oh. I wanted Jason to be out of practice for mm-hmm. doing Batman stuff because. Yeah. You know, he's had a, a long life since he, he he left that night that Joker beat the crap out of him. So Sure, man. Uh, for, you know, for a four-issue series, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to get good again. He can always be kind of bad at it. <laughs> um, I, uh, Dick's vocation, he's like an antenna uh, electrician. Tim, you mean? Or engineer. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah, Tim. And uh, I like him on that cherry picker that floats up and down. 
Um, I always thought that'd be cool to draw, but I hate the design of the antennas. Like if yeah. you go back and look at it, it's like, what happened here? There's no one, I know that this is sci-fi kid show, whatever, and at first glance they look cool, but it doesn't make any sense the way that this like arm is coming out from the middle of the dish and the dish is supposed to tip up. It's just, I want to redesign that, but that's not what I want to draw because I don't want to waste my time. <laughs> yeah, we may as well get into that. What do you want to draw? I mean, the whole middle sequence is, right. is pretty great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to draw an amphitheater though, because you're drawing a Chairs. circular room with chair. Yeah, like that's just kind of a bummer. I I do dread those sequences anytime. I mean, I, not that I've really had to draw any, but anytime I open a book yeah. and see someone who has had to draw a circular room like that with chairs, I'm like, ugh, I just get a shiver yeah. on my spot. Yeah, never draw a book of the UN yeah. ever, because <laughs> then you got to draw flags and money and you got to get security you know, clearance. Different people with things in their ears, whatever. Listening security. Well, you got to do. Uh, what, you got to be smart. You got to use that 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 straightforward shot of like the big thing at the front mm-hmm. of the UN that everybody sits at, like the big where the people yeah. go to speak. That's cool. right. The like, thing that's the easy to draw thing. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Superman goes before he he takes all the nukes away in Superman Four. That's the thing. Right. You draw. But don't turn the camera around because no. it's going to be a nightmare. No. <laughs> Uh, you also got to research a bunch of the countries and where they sit and how accurate do you, I mean, nah, yeah, cares. that whole thing. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else would I want to draw? Um, I don't know if I want to draw the laser hitting the buildings sequence. Mm. I don't know. It would never look as good as it does in animation. You know. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's that's really tough to do without moving image to make that really engaging. I think. Yeah. Like, I could draw a two-page spread of the Batmobile in the foreground running towards, driving towards us. And in the background, you see the, the laser hitting. Yeah. But you also see a line of destruction and explode. Like, that's doable. Mm-hmm. But the way they had the laser hitting buildings and cars at different angles, that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. But uh, it's doable. But I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, I think I would like to draw that Joker gang. I really like the design of those guys. Yeah. I, I think doing a uh, like an eight pager about those guys would be a lot of fun. Hmm. I don't know what they get up to, but he's <laughs> hanging around. I like their uh, guy eating candy mobile. Yeah, yes, that's that's for <laughs> the giant floating clown head with the giant candy bar sticking out of the mouth. I drew that last year. I had a commission, and the guy wanted a Batman Beyond piece of this movie, and mm-hmm. I threw in a lot of elements. Like I'm actually. Most of the stuff I look back on, I'm not thrilled with, but that I'm still really happy with. Nice. And I got that candy, um, that that vehicle in there, and it was so kind of hard, weird to draw. Like he's kind of smiling, but he's got a candy bar out of his mouth, and it's so hard. It's so fucked up looking. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. I don't know why it's a car. What was it? Always a car? Was it something yeah. before that? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's a, a parade float that's been uh, retrofitted, I guess. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, we didn't even talk about Nana Harley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she didn't die. She must have yeah. found a way to survive. I that, guess that plunge. the earlier version of the script, she does die. Like, she never comes back again. Um, mm. But then they put the, put in that, that, that bit at the end, and Bruce Tim really liked it because he thought it was a nice little bit of levity. And, and Paul, yeah. Paul Dini was like, I don't know if I want to kill this character off. She's pretty important. So <laughs> yeah, just a little he bit just... of... Uh, uh, implication that she made it out. Yeah. 
I would love to know how much money Paul Dini has made off of Harley. Like royalties, oh, media, yeah. movies. I have no idea. I bet it's it not be. as much as you think. Probably. Yeah, based on the way the contracts yeah. for this stuff usually work, I would be shocked if it was, you know, if he's buying boats okay. off of residuals for Harley. So it's 1992. She's created. It's been 30 years of Harley. You've got the big ones would be the big payments would probably be the movies, would be the biggest paychecks. If he gets character equity, a few percentage at the end of each year, there might be like tri- trickle in of some money every year for Harley. The 30 years in, like I would bet he's brought in between 300 and a million dollars, maybe. Really? Yeah. 300,000. I, I have no idea, though. Yeah. I could be way off. I mean, I think it all depends on what the original contract for the character was, right? Like, if he's, yeah. he's making the character for the show, and I'm sure there's probably something mm-hmm. in place saying anything he creates is owned by Warner Brothers or whatever. So I don't right. know how that trickles down over the years into if he gets mm-hmm. a check at all anytime they use Harley in something else or, or what. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, when you apply for character equity forms, so Jimmy Palmiotti went through this when he did Harley for a while. He put in a bunch of character equity forms, and um, he put one in for the beaver. And I don't even know what the joke is because I haven't read some of his Harley stuff. Yeah. And the beaver actually made it into the movie. Yeah. And he was like, people thought I was full of shit for filing character equity on that beaver. But I'll tell you what, man, that beaver paid me way more in that movie than any other thing Harley ever did. Yeah. Yeah. So he got a nice little check for that, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I wonder how that crosses over. Because, you know, like, because obviously he created her for the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming when he did the first Harley comic, there's probably a different contract involved there. Yeah, so the contract is based on the comic work. So if he does Harley, uh, that's not his character. But if he creates a character out of thin air that's not uh, derivative of Harley Quinn right meaning Harley's kids wouldn't work so like for me um, you know Jackie and Bryce probably wouldn't be right, um, yeah. I probably are you screwed. talking about uh, Jimmy right now sorry what are you talking about Jimmy in this case or who who are we talking yeah about? okay well so for, for, for Jimmy's case, so he created a beaver that yeah. has nothing to do with Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing derivative about a beaver and Harley. So that's why he was able to get character equity on right. a beaver, I think. Whereas if he had created Harley's kids, like I did, there wouldn't be character equity. Right, yeah. But I'm wondering if, if for Paul Dini, if there's a separate thing when he creates, quote-unquote, creates Harley for the comics versus the show. Because the first mm-hmm. Harley comic was written by him. So does that give oh, him character equity because he brings her to the... To, you know what I mean? Or I don't know how it yeah. works or if it doesn't matter because it's a character yeah. that's already owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. so... You have his um, email address. Mon- Call, send him an email. Ask him. <laughs> so Montoya was created for this show, mm-hmm. the cartoon, TAS, and then she was working into the comics. Um, I'm not sure who created her. It might have been Paul Dini, honestly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know how character equity works if it's first in animation or if it's first in a movie or a show, and then it goes into comics. I'm, there might be two separate contracts. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Especially back then in 1992, this stuff wasn't as ironed out. And it might have been more in... It could have been more or less in creators. Um, 
corner, so to speak. So it might have been more equitable for creators back then, mm. or maybe it was the reverse because it was the Wild West. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's always interesting to track this stuff back to see yeah. who owns what, who's getting royalties from it and stuff like that because it's, yeah. it's stuff I think at the time a lot of people don't consider when they're, when they're doing this stuff. I don't think a lot of people in comics are interested in learning about how things work <laughs> or asking these questions because they, they, I think most people just want comics to be a cozy little clubhouse yeah. and they want an editor and a publisher to just pay them just send me the checks. I'll give you my ideas, and you leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how most of us are wired. They're not curious about how the hell does Paul Dini make money. They should care, and they probably would feign to care if they were at a dinner and he was there. Like, why wouldn't you listen? But I don't think they're actively interested in these questions, like the way you and I might be. Yeah, yeah. I think it gets really it can get really weird sometimes, especially now with how much with all the movie stuff. Like I know what was in Mar- Marvel, the big. Uh, big thing at marvel was you couldn't it was like 15 years or something where you couldn't create a new character for the x-men specifically mm. because if you did that it immediately became owned by 20th century fox and so yeah. they kept the x-men basically in stasis for 15 years because they didn't want to give any new stuff to, mm-hmm. to fox and so you know it's such a that's such a petty move too i mean marvel comics think that it's powerful enough by not doing X Men comics for a while, by That's, trying I to thought push the same thing when Fantastic I Four. Yeah, I it's thought like, the really, same guys, thing. it's so petty. Like fucking Christ, give us Wolverine. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Where I was like, is so what they're going to do is they're going to forego having Hurt these characters. Comics. I know Fantastic yeah. Four. They did the same thing where it was Fantastic Four was owned by 20th Century Fox, and so they kind of basically got rid of them for a while because they didn't want to you know x y and z mm-hmm. for 20th century fox and it's like do you you would rather do that than have these characters out there yeah in other forms that might bring people back yeah. to the comics your All job right. is to sell comics your job is not to spite uh your partners in the media level right like your job is to sell comics and well, x-men sells fantastic four sells so any attempt to try to force your readers to not care about those characters what are you doing like where is this directive coming from right. <laughs> or is there something i'm missing maybe that wasn't what was happening i don't know but as i've always understood it it was them just it seemingly being petty yeah 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 comics yeah. am i right yeah what's the yeah. uh how would you rate this as a as a i mean if we're rating it the way we usually rate things oh five five yeah I think it's the it's, you know, I, I want to get into a couple. We have a couple questions from our listeners. One of them was, oh, sure. uh, um, uh, do you actually like the Batman Beyond portion of the movie, or do you give it a boost for the flashback? <laughs> and I think it's I, it's it's tough. Like we kind of talked about it a bit, but like I said at the at the top, it's kind of the best thing they ever did with Batman Beyond, which I feel bad yeah. saying. I mean, to be fair, we haven't watched season three yet. Who knows? There could be a few bangers in there. I'm going to mm-hmm. say probably not, but... I mean, you can't... Sometimes you only get Sammy Hagar. Am I right, everybody? <laughs> hey, I saw Van Halen exactly once, and it was with Sammy Hagar, and I thought it was amazing. And then years later, I read up on that tour, and apparently it was like the worst tour they ever did because Eddie Van Halen was just drunk the whole time. I couldn't even tell. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know... I, I had no opinion, but I knew it was cool to defend David Lee Roth. 
Mm-hmm. Because of because of airheads. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I I think Sammy Hagar has good stuff with Van Halen. It's a, they're two very different bands. They're they're kind of yeah. interested in different stuff. I was big into Van Halen's first and second record. Yeah. Um, I thought it had that grisly '70s vibe, and then it became too pop for me. And I think the raw guitar is what I wanted from Van Halen, but it became so streamlined top forty rock. Yeah. When Sammy, I don't know if it was Sammy's fault, but yeah, I just wasn't getting what I wanted out of Eddie Van Halen like I did from the late '70s. You know. Yeah, he got really into keyboards for a while. Oh, yeah. A guitar or a keyboard? Keyboard. Yeah, I don't think he ever played the guitar. That would have been great. But I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why not have? They must have a guitar guitar combo where it has two necks. You know, Ooh, I bet that exists somewhere. I've never seen it. I mean, that wouldn't surprise that's me. That's basically a synthesizer with strings. Yeah. Which uh, the Masters of the Universe movie misled me. That's not what a synthesizer looks like. <laughs> No, they're not little thermoses with buttons on them that you can press. <laughs> they look so cool. You know, it, it looked like a holophoner from uh, uh, Futurama. Oh yeah! Did you know the guy? The guy in that movie is Tom Paris from Voyager. I told yeah, I told you. Did that. you tell me that? I, I did. It, yeah. Well, it must. Get, it probably wasn't you. It must have been Muff because it is the truth. <laughs> Damn it! I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Muff has a way of cutting through the bullshit. <laughs> uh, we've got a question from, from our listener, Kyle, who always uh, gives us softballs. Uh, Wait, is Muff the, ver- the good version of me or the bad version? That's up to you and Muff to decide, my friend. <laughs> okay. okay. <clears throat> Kyle's coming right at you on this one, Sean. Uh, oh, Sean boy. has begun multiple podcasts this series bemoaning modern movies like recent Star Wars and Indi- Indiana Jones entries for languishing in the past with fan service and not offering anything new, but then watches a Boy. show about a new iteration of Batman and complains about it not connecting enough to TAS or featuring enough legacy <laughs> characters like Catwoman. Discuss. <laughs> uh, that's a fair criticism. Um, I guess it's the... if it's, Is it going to be a good revisitation of the original material or, or bad? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain amount of cashing in it's just a payday, but I think that uh, beyond attempts to do it the right way, like they purposefully avoid Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, but the the problem is, while that might be a punk rock move, you've got to have something just as good to bring people in. And if Terry isn't up to the task, then I think that's where Terry wasn't quite as interesting to me. And the way the show was done didn't have as much um, plot to keep me interested. Yeah. I think that's those two things are what made it. That's why, I, yes, I went back on my whole thing, and I'm like, I want more Bruce Wayne. <laughs> like, give me the shit that's working. Because like every time he would show up, it was like, thank fucking god. It's not because I'm a sucker for the past. It's just because there's more meat there, you know. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting to think about it in Star Trek terms, right? <clears throat> because Star Trek gets away with <laughs> dipping back into the past because it's usually for like a one-off episode. Yeah. But imagine, like, Voyager Mm. with uh, one of the crew is Spock or something. You know what I mean? Like, someone who is directly tied into previous iterations of the show that's... I guess they kind of do that on Deep Space Nine by bringing in Worf. But he he becomes such a different character that that it's not really... um, 
doesn't feel like the same thing. But if you bring in someone who has like the the cachet of Bruce Wayne as a mm-hmm. top level character, like Spock, or if like Captain Kirk were on Voyager for as like right. a regular cast member, I think you you end up having to get into this stuff because it's it's just there. The questions are waiting to be answered. And in Batman Beyond, a lot of it tends to be Terry going like, so. What happened back then? And Bruce going like, I don't want to talk about it. So of course everybody wants to know what the hell happened. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> it's funny. Um, I, to give TNG credit, they outside of a McCoy cameo, they really spent like four seasons making you really care about the new characters. Sure. Yeah. It wasn't until season five where they went into Spock and um, Scotty, mm-hmm. and at that point, it's like. This is great because I care a lot about Picard and Scotty. Like, it's good to see them together. You know, like they had earned it. Whereas I think um, the temptation now is coming out of the gate, we need to have Easter eggs because we don't know if we're going to get a season two. You know, it's funny. It's like they don't have faith in their own writing, but also that's just the new reality of getting funding. Yeah, it is funny. I did, I am now realizing what I described as essentially season two of strange new world where captain kirk is just on the ship <laughs> so but yeah but it's yeah. young captain kirk so he doesn't have all the baggage that would come along with older captain kirk but yeah i'm not even interested in kirk in that show I don't, it's i'm more won over by pike thing. i don't know why they put yeah. him in the show it's the dumbest move the fact that they even the fact that they had too. his brother on there i was like okay that's fine if you're going to play the kirk card at least make it someone who doesn't have the cachet but once they bring mm-hmm. in uh the fuck is his name? Regular Kirk. Why can't I think of his first name? James uh, Kirk. Shatner. Once they Sorry, bring James. in James Kirk, it's like you're just <laughs> regular Kirk. Why? I. It's yeah. I feel like it's really taking the the ball the taking your eye off the the regular cast because you're, you've mm-hmm. built this other cast, even though they're yeah. pre-existing characters. But these are characters that no yeah. one really got into that much except for Spock. Um, and there's been so much time too. Like I don't really have an opinion of how a horror should be written right. when she's young. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Spock, sure, okay. Spock's always interesting, but that's it's not the Spock show, right? It, it's it, I, Pike is so well done and introduced, and that actor is so compelling. Like he immediately takes over in a good way. Yeah. Like I, there's so many things they're doing that show correctly. Stop it with Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need it. Did you watch season two? Um, a few so far. Yeah. I'm a little bit behind. I haven't watched any of them, but I, 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 I heard it was fine. I, did you, yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, what I've seen, uh, it's a good 8 out of 10, mm-hmm. honestly. The best modern Star Trek there is. Um, but again, you know, there's been a lot of crap. <laughs> Up until season 3 of Picard, which suddenly they were yeah. like, fine, we'll give you what you want. <laughs> uh, we get a question from Jake. He's Gamer. He says, what, in your opinions, were the biggest missed opportunities in this film and or in the series so far? It's a good question. Why don't you go first? Ah, you go first. Nice way to avoid that. Because I also don't know off the top of my head. Oh. Um, the most Jeez. biggest missed opportunities in this film and or in the series so far. Uh, I kind of wish that they'd done Nightwing. Yeah, I was thinking Nightwing. I don't, I don't know if... I mm. think Nightwing is too much for the movie. Sure. I do think... Yep. I agree with what you said earlier where I... Th- I wish there had been an episode where it was just Terry and Nightwing. Yeah, like Terry's conflicted about... He asks himself, now that I've brought my father's killer, why am I doing this? Right. 
you know, he's, he's yeah. getting older and he's that, that that's per, that's great, yeah. great drama right there. And then you work in Nightwing and he's got like a cool leather jacket, a motorcycle, whatever, you know. Yeah. And those things, I mean, Nightwing is always, always works in that capacity. Like I remember when I was a kid, I had an, an issue yeah. of Robin, was it maybe? I can't remember. It was mm-hmm. one of the Batman books where Robin was not really sure about X, Y, and Z. And so mm-hmm. the whole issue is essentially... Um, I think it was like shortly after Tim Drake had become Robin and he's yeah. kind of getting the the hang of stuff but he's not sure about X, Y, or Z and then Dick Grayson comes in and they have a conversation and Dick talks about how oh yeah the first guy that you had to go up against was Two-Face that seems to be the thing we all have to do and then he tells a story about his first big mm. villain being Two-Face and it, 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 like yeah. it's a, he's a great character to be the uh, the older brother for these characters mm. that I think, yeah. I think that's a, a bit of a missed opportunity on the show. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, I'd love to see Catwoman in this, which is funny because I haven't done Catwoman in my universe too. So I'm sure people are, it's, <laughs> it's me. It is, it's, it is, is a it? weird the omission. Kettle calling. Pod yeah. calling the kettle black. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it is a weird omission. Cause like Nightwing, I get it. I get not putting Nightwing in the show because mm his whole thing is that he wants to be separate so sure whatever but Mm -hmm. uh catwoman feels like an omission even if they don't get a lot of the other villains in there um it is a a a hanging thread that they they never address yeah um this is from changeling he says do you think batman is more of an archetype than a character to me batman is a lot like dracula and that our idea of him is not of one man's vision but a culmination of multiple writers working on him for decades, which creates multiple versions that contradict each other. For instance, Batman is seen both as a family man slash fatherly figure and a psychopathic loner, and both are valid. So is Batman Mm -hmm. nothing more than just a costume? Yeah, we uh, attach our, as viewers, as lovers of Batman, we attach our hopes and dreams and our opinions and political opinions, current events, our hypocrisies I think um, Batman is built with very powerful shoulders that can withstand all that stuff you can talk about those stories in Gotham in a way you you can't talk about it in Keystone City or Metropolis right Um, yeah and I think that's what makes Bruce universal um, and kind of timeless is he's designed to talk about those those things and yeah I think that it's okay that Bruce is a hypocrite. I think that just makes him more interesting. You know, I think the more you criticize him, point out flaws, I just think it makes him better. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I also think from a general, like, creative standpoint, there are, much like Dracula, there are certain things that you just, you know if they get changed, it just isn't right. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sound like a weird gatekeeper or anything, and I don't want to say anything specific, but like mm-hmm. there are just you can you can with Batman especially you can form him into whatever you want him to mm-hmm. be because the set his setup and the the, the core of his character is so um, clear and uh, really can be. Um, used in so many different iterations of the character, but there are certain things where if you're reading the uh, if you're reading the most out there version of Batman, 
there's something about that that you're going to say like, yeah, okay, this is still Batman. But sometimes if you could be reading the most grounded version of it and there are things you're going to go like, no, that's not it. And there's just certain things about these characters that are uh, the things that make them who they are. And when you change those, that's when it starts to go off the rail. Like Mm -hmm. if Dracula isn't a vampire, you kind of go, well, I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. Or if Dracula can't be killed i mean who knows they've probably done all of these things but there's there's something identifiable even in the craziest versions and the craziest iterations of these characters that still feel like mm-hmm. those characters at the core yeah. um but if you change too much of that stuff then i think it's mm-hmm. it's like why are we even using this character why are we doing something yeah else? like you can have a serious dracula a scary one a comedic dracula it all works sure he, he does have to be a vampire he does have to have the you know, dilemma of I can't walk out at night or in the daytime. I need to drink blood. Maybe like some of those things, maybe you could take, uh, but the, the 10 commandments of Dracula, you can't change these 10 rules. And I think every character has 10 commandments and Batman's 10 commandments is at least one of his parents has to die. Mm -hmm. Um, he can maybe have a sibling, but gotta be careful. Uh, you know, there has to be some hypocrisy with him and the police. Like, you know, there's some certain thing. Spider-Man probably got to lose uh, Uncle Ben. Uh, and he probably should be a kid. Mm-hmm. If he's not young and insecure, it starts to feel weird. Like when you make him a billionaire and he's, you know, a playboy, it doesn't feel like like Peter Parker anymore. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like Inception. You know how in Inception they have to go so deep into his mind and just plant one singular thing at the center of this idea that kind of blooms everything out of it it's like batman needs to have that singular thing still intact Mm -hmm. where it's like he's born out of born out of tragedy and dedicates his life to vengeance after that whatever it turns out into go crazy but if it's like that core idea that little kernel at the middle of the inception you know puzzle Mm -hmm. has to has to stay in order for it to to really work and even as like people are vilifying the rich now in new ways, so there's ways to talk about Bruce's wealth and maybe he should just spend money to more you know, fund the police or whatever. But then that comes with its own set of controversies. Um, and yeah, even though times have changed, we still find ways to to, to use Bruce to talk about these things in, in a way that makes us still like him. You know, even if he makes mistakes or overdoes it every now and then. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's also become one of those characters, and maybe this speaks to the archetype question, but kind of like Dracula, where just the name has enough cachet built into it that mm-hmm. you kind of it does a lot of heavy lifting for you. Where like mm-hmm. if you were to tell if another story in DC Comics, like in a DC Comics Elseworld story or whatever, blah 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 blah, who knows what's going on, and then Bruce Wayne shows up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you like okay. I know, I know this guy. I know this character. And then mm-hmm. the same kind of thing with Dracula, where it's like there's he's got a hundred years of stories that are all kind of in this weird multiverse that kind of funnel down into a singular singular line that do so much heavy lifting for you. It's like when you're mm-hmm. uh, when you're uh, casting someone. And having the casting do the work for you, you know, like, well, if we cast Tom Cruise, we don't really need to do a lot of work on this character because the fact that Tom Cruise is the is the is playing him mm-hmm. does a ton of that work for you. That's fair. I think yeah. I'm probably rambling at this point, but 
No, I think you made your point. I get it. Is there any more questions we have? Uh, last uh, one, quick one. Which Prince song would you want for the next Batman movie? <laughs> I don't know Prince as well as you do, Clay. I actually don't like Prince that much, and I don't get why he's such a big fucking deal. <laughs> so, Clay, defend. <laughs> uh, if I had to pick a Prince song, uh, I mean, probably Sexy Motherfucker would be a good one. Or uh, my f- One of my favorite Prince songs is Bambi, which I don't think really has anything to do with Batman. It's just a pretty awesome song. So maybe throw that in there in a, a club scene or something. But Right, yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it for us on, on <laughs> Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. And uh, check out Sean's Kickstarter before it's gone to get all your Zorro things. And, uh, and uh, if you get to Dallas next year, uh, Clay and I will be there. You can hang with, out with us in person and maybe... McMuff will show up. (laughs) Sean will do a costume change halfway through. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. We'll be back soon with season three of Batman Beyond. See you guys.